Barney. How are you, Barney? Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Why don't you introduce yourself for the podcast? What do you do, Barney? Who are you? <laughs> Not the purple dinosaur. <laughs> Good to know. Although a lot of my friends who have kids nowadays introduce me to their kids that way. <laughs> but no, I'm, um, well, I was born here in Dubai all my life. And um, I resorted to playing music in spite of the fact that my parents put me through school and university <laughs> and all that other good stuff. No, but um, I guess uh, most people here would know me from my uh, involvement in music, which is yeah. specifically Nerve Cell, which I formed in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. It's been 17 and, years. Yeah. and wow. uh, I, I, I mean, I guess that's what, that's what I do. So, I, I mean, I teach music. I like, live, breathe music. I, I chose um, metal specifically, but... But you know, I've been I've been here all my life. So in the, in the Middle East, in Dubai in particular, it's just music for me. So I've just left my market doing anything and everything to do with music, be it like Nerve Cell or putting on shows for other bands or I don't know, um, just going to gigs and being a regular mm -hmm. fan of live events. And yeah, metal. I so, guess my most proud thing. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we start at the beginning? How did Nerve Cell get together? Why <laughs> the name Nerve Cell? How did it all start? Yeah, that's cool. I got this question on autopilot. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, really, the band we had to um, we had to come up with the name of the band because like every band had to come up with a name because they had to play a show and then when they get booked, they're under stress to get a name going. And it, for me, it was. Uh, it was me with a completely other dudes in the band back then in the year 2000. I just finished high school and um, I used to play in, in the band in school, of course. I put the band together in school, in high school, in St. Mary's. Uh, we were called Spit for some, <laughs> for some reason. Uh, I think it had to do with Slipknot, one of their songs, mm -hmm. I'm sure it says, but spit it out. Uh, but after I left high school, I just wanted to meet, you know, uh, fellow like-minded musicians uh, in the UAE who uh, would be interested in the fact to start a new band and write original music. So uh, we enrolled into the AIS Battle of the Bands in Abu Dhabi. Okay. Uh, I think it was called American International School. I don't know. But it was yeah. the year 2000. So we formed like 99, 2000 with a guy called Atom on drums, mm -hmm. who's now an aeronautical engineer in Emirates. <laughs> and I've spoken to him so in like 10 totally years. So he's totally abandoned his trade, basically. Well, <laughs> you know, I just, he's probably married and got three kids or something. <laughs> I mean, it's probably true. Don't, don't, I'm not, you're not even making fun. It's probably true. Uh, last I met him was like 10 years ago in Desert Rock, mm -hmm. randomly in the crowd somewhere. So. Desert Rock was like a million yeah. years ago. What are you talking about? Shit, man. I know that's how far back this goes. But no, I started the band in, um, in 2000, roughly. And it was around April. I remember we had enrolled into the Battle of the Bands. It was the AIS school in Abu Dhabi. And a week later, the Dubai band of bands that was organized by Dubai College mm. up in Jumeirah. So, um, okay, again, back then there was like me, Brogan on vocals, uh, Carol on bass, uh, Mazin on guitar, and Hatham on drums, where I started the band with, really. And um, we had to come up with a name, it was called Nerve Lock. We were sitting on for two days. And then that became Nerve Cell somehow. Okay. We just negotiated it. <laughs> had, we had like 48 hours to come up with that. So we had to do it for the enrollment purpose. Yeah. We didn't know where it was going to go. But man, that first gig, I mean, this is a matter of fact. We played it. We didn't even care what we wore or what we looked like. We just, we, we just the eagerness of getting out there and playing yeah. those tunes that we wrote as five dudes like in our bedrooms and just having to just let our hair out and just go ape shit. Yeah. It was that excitement, you know, that, that was, it wasn't about winning shit, it wasn't about battling and all that crap, it was just showing everyone else that we play this and we, like you other guys, like this genre of music, which was so niche back then. There was, this is pre-internet, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that first gig, we got, I, I got best guitarist. I don't even play like freaking solos and shit. I'm not like a, you know, a, a big solo guitarist, a technical dude, but I got best guitarist, I guess just because of the way I went crazy, I guess. And yeah. my hair and whatever. <laughs> it literally said long hair dude on the envelope for best guitarist. They said nerve cell, long hair dude. No like, way! Yeah, when I, when I got the envelope, yeah, it was a gift voucher from uh, 
AKM trading a, a guitar shop in Abu Dhabi, which I didn't even use because I don't live in Abu Dhabi. So it's an hour away, but I couldn't drive. I didn't drive back then. So yeah, funny story. And we won most creative band too. That's cool. Yeah. Were the other bands also metal type bands or what was it? Yeah. Like? And that was the beauty about it. I mean, um, it was predominantly like hard rock, alternative, uh, grungy, punk. And we were like playing our first show as Nerve Cell. And at that time, the genre we were playing was mostly a crossover between hardcore and like death metal. So Okay. So we basically, we only had two original songs and we could only play two songs. So we mm. played a cover and a... And an original, and that's all the ten minutes you got. Okay. So yeah, uh, that's how we started. That's the name. The name came about. Uh, well, nerve cell. We I, I actually thought about this. So um, the the nerve being an essential part of us as humans in our bodies, um, and the expression you hear a lot that's thrown around that someone when someone's getting on your nerves, mm -hmm. and I'm down to my last nerve and all that stuff. So. Being like, what, 17, 18 years old, <laughs> we thought that was cool. Yeah. But it makes so much sense now. Well, I think it's a really cool name, actually. It's a very yeah. name. I mean, that's really what it is. We try to, we try to make sense. And the word, the word cell keeps, keep, keeping you locked up in that state of, exp of expression. Mm. So there's no escape. And you're pissed off and you, you relate to music that, that, that gets to you, yeah. that connects with you. And Nerve Cell sounded like a good collaborative. Yeah word for a band and we, we went with that and it stuck and it felt, it felt right so what about you personally how did you get into metal oh man i love this question i just don't know how much time we have but <laughs> we have lots of time don't worry yeah no i and, and i love it because it's it's it, all i got is the truth uh i was sitting down it was it was 1994 uh some summer i love how you know the day exactly i do because i do too because by the way. it was I know a calling the exact, it's it was a calling for me. Okay. I sat down and I only could sit down at this ungodly hour, okay? And it was a summertime. I know it was because I could sit up that late in my house and do what I wanted because yeah. I didn't have school the next day. So I was on a summer vacation and then it was um, MTV had banged his ball at the time that came on at around 3, <laughs> 4, 5 maybe in the morning. And I'm all, and listen, my, my, in my house, like my parents, uh, again, they're like, well, uh, they, they love music, right? So they, well, obviously country western music, if that's what it is, and you know, disco, and, and my parents are from Goa, so like they're hippies. So they, well, they were, they won't admit it, but they have it, and we have it in our DNA. So, so that, and that's a great thing, because I was always exposed to music, even if I was unaware of it. Like the radio was always on in my house, the TV, at the time, MTV was always on, and my parents loved dancing, and my parents, you know, they had parties and stuff, so it was music was always around me. Um, and it was actually my mom's idea to pick up the guitar, not even mine. My mom said, this summer you're not doing anything, you need to stop playing video games. Or, you need you know, a hobby. Oh yeah, you need a hobby. So that's literally what she said, and I was like 11 years old, and she made me pick up the guitar at 94 and start learning, like, just to try. You yeah. Know? And I, I, I was obviously sold on the idea, I stuck to it. But anyway, how I, how I found myself liking metal was like this, this thing. That happened. I was up watching TV, and then all of a sudden, MTV headbang as ball comes in at like four or five in the morning. I remember this because I was like almost falling asleep, and then I see this dude who's hosting it, Danny McGill, I think his name was, and he's like, "Okay, up next we got like Sepultura and um, from the live in Barcelona." DVD. And then your life changed. I saw that. <laughs> I saw that, and I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck is this?" I couldn't digest it. It was so, it was like inhumane, like I was watching it, and this is a guy who's watching like the best of the 80s, right? This was like, you know, the early 90s, like it was disco and hip hop and all that was really strong, Yeah. but also metal up in the West. So you get this one TV show and it's throughout the week, one hour in the whole week where they play this genre of music and I happen to by chance Stumble stay up on it. Yeah. And, and see this and I was like, oh my God. I was like, what? I am playing the guitar, I'm learning the guitar right now, which is cool, this is meant to be. I see this and I'm sold on the idea of like, what are they doing? Like, how, how is this possible? The, the speed and the energy and the adrenaline and the crowd like going apeshit. I was like, man, that's what I want to do. So do you credit it to Sepultura? Was that the band that like... Well, you? it's the truth. So I, I, I mean, I don't know anything about metal, right? This is a guy who knows Michael Jackson and CCMC yeah. Music Factory or... 
fucking I don't know like all the pop shit which is all good I love the 80s yeah. pop but like I was used to that MC Hammer and all that shit was, was big New Kids on the Block were big back then the first boy band if you ask me so like I was used to the whole Brian Adams in the pop world and I, and, the, and there's musicianship in that you know there's, there's guitar playing in that Listen, I love but, that stuff yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, hey few more drinks and I'm dancing <laughs> to all that stuff if you want me to I've been known for this but no I saw this and it was Sepultura, it was Desperate Cry, the song, live in Barcelona, this DVD they put out called Under Siege. And the next video, right back to back, was Slayer Seasons in the Abyss. And I was like, whoa, oh my God. I was like, this is it. I'm going tomorrow. I'm going to buy these albums. I'm going to study. I'm going to study. Because you have to, you know? Yeah. I mean, in the, mid, in the early 90s, right up to the 98, I would say, we had no music available in Dubai, right? There was not like... I mean, there was, but it was like the now, that's what I call music, fucking whatever, 22 or something. Or like, you know, the popular top 40 hits. So when I saw this, I was like, I have to make a list. I have to call my friends in, out in Europe, my cousins in the States or whatever, and get some stuff in, you know, import some of the stuff. So the next few months after that was just waiting up at four in the morning, that same day every week, and like putting the VHS cassette in and pressing record and then watching what? that, like... The whole week, starting to record music and like, cause we didn't. I, I went around looking, and there was none of the shops you had the stuff I wanted. So, yeah, man, it was hard. But um, I think that's what made, what gave me the fuel to like dig more deeper. Yeah. Into it and um, like finding a new band every week was like finding gold for me. It was like yeah, wow. yeah. And I treated it so special. I was like going to my school and um, telling all the guys in my class like. Hey man, you gotta listen to this band, but don't tell anyone about it because we don't want them to know, right? It's for a select few. Like really, I did those geeky things. It's an exclusive man. club. It was. It's crazy. Like back then, it was so different. Like, I mean, kids today can wake up and just go type a few things on the YouTube, and they get what they want when they want it. So, yeah. for me, when I when I discovered this, it was like so important and like doing research, it's like digging up. Life changing, I think. Yeah, and it's, and I love that whole um, the whole thing about. Like looking into and discovering and reading who tours with who, yeah. which bands helps which bands, which bands on what label, mm -hmm. what other bands on that label, and um, reading all the booklets when you buy these CDs, which was like rare, yeah. and learning more stuff, learning who works with who, and all that stuff it was so cool. Um, yeah, especially for, for, for a guy who's like in Dubai or in the Middle East, I would say. You know, we never had access to this stuff. Whereas in Europe and the States, they were like, they were the scenes that sort of like capitalized on metal in the mid 90s. I feel like we are the minority of the minority in Dubai. Like seriously, yeah. this is uh, how I feel. But I have a very similar story. I mean, the way I got into metal was that I discovered, I've talked about this before in the podcast, but like I discovered okay. Metallica on uh -huh. the Grammy Awards. Mm -hmm. And of all the albums they were playing, they were playing Saint Anger. And Saint Anger was okay. the album that hooked me in. And I still love it to this and day. And that's fairly recent. I also. think I'm the one. It's, oh, by the way, it's been like 15 well, years. Yeah. It's insane anger. It's frantic. Happened. Frantic was the thing. Yeah. But I love some kind of monster. But yeah. like, but, but for me, it was, I, I remember it so clearly, just like you. It was just like, I remember sitting there and watching them come on and being like, yeah. What is this? I, right. I can't. And then I just like drowned myself in them. I just, I couldn't. You Ooh. know what I mean? That, that's that's so, just yeah. a similar story. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember it was like, it was life changing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really true. It's very, very funny. Now, some people think it's cheesy, like when you say, you know, like metal found me, and like, you know, it's actually so true when you think it's of it. so true. Like, and we are the minority. I feel like I yeah. don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I that, it, it was it's an honest story. Like I love it. I love. Yeah. Uh, I I fell into it. It wasn't like influence of friends or hanging out to be cool. Yeah, exactly. Pretending to like this genre of music. I was the odd one out the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, like, yeah. I, I think regardless of genre of music, if you like something, then why be ashamed of it? Like, yeah. it's just music, man. It's meant to take you away from your everyday routine yeah. bullshit that you go yeah. through. So if there's one thing you resolve or resort to and I can relate with, and music does that to you, it's your outlet, then cherish it, man. It's, yeah. it's awesome. It's, it's such a good feeling. Yeah. But Nerve Cell have some exciting news going on right now. You have an album coming out soon? Yep, we do. 
Uh, Talk to me a little bit about that. We have an album coming out on August 25th. It's actually uh, an album that's been pending to come out for a long time. Okay. Um, we had some issues with labels, so that was part of the reason why we didn't release it earlier than when we should have. But to be honest, it's it's an album that's been in the making four years. Okay. And um, the last album we put out was Psychogenocide in 2011. So, well, it's uh, been a good six years. It's no? been six years. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but you know, in six years, we've toured quite a bit too. Yeah. Um, on the last record, um, we've had labels that we switched in and out of. The local label here in Dubai, which I used to work for as well, Spellbound Records, shut down. Like, uh, there's not so much you can do because you, you, um, a lot of people say you don't need a label nowadays, and I agree with them to an extent. But okay, I think I think uh, I think in, in metal music more than ever you need a label because it kind of like elevates you to a signed band as opposed to any other kick-ass band that's out there. Yeah, um, who's not signed, and when you don't have a label behind you, it's like sort of domino effect because then promoters don't want to book you because they think you won't promote it as much or your mm-hmm. label won't push it as much or you guys don't even have albums for people to who are curious to come to your show to even check you out before yeah. so you know there's a, there's a fair bit of credibility if you sign to a, a label and I'm not talking any label I'm not talking a guy in his bedroom who says he has a label I'm talking about like labels who distribute put you on retail stores and shelves so I'm talking major labels or at least independent strong mm-hmm. whole labels who would who would provide you know some sort of some sort of exposure for you not just internet sponsored ads yeah you know I mean? like so I think it's I think it's it's a necessary evil I think labels are on a downward hit uh, for sure because the internet and the digital age is just taking it by storm but, but I think uh, there's few essentials that you need if you're a pro band that a label can actually mm-hmm. add to your credit so, uh, we, I mean, uh, the new album is called uh, Past, Present, Torture. How do you feel about the album? Well, uh, listen, I've been hearing it for a year, a good year now. And it's like, <laughs> and it's it's honestly like the most intense, like really brutal shit. And it's, it's and I say that not to get brownie points. I'm saying it because this is how we feel yeah. at this day and age. And we, we, we are maturing as people and, and as musicians, but we're not compromising on the nerve cell sound. The nerve cell sound has always been a very aggressive, in-your-face, live... Okay, I think they're coming for us. <laughs> no, but it's, 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 it's really, like, the, some of the most... I'm, like, I'm really proud of it because we've really worked hard. I mean, the years... Yeah. It's been six years. In those six years, we've toured a lot. We've seen what goes down well for us live. We've, we've toured with other bands. We've been influenced musically uh, every now and then. And there's a lot of pent-up feelings inside in the mm-hmm. band because of all the disputes with management and labels in the last four years, I would say, uh, while writing and trying to be creative. So when innovation, or, or sorry, when inspiration hits, it's it's very rare. But when it does, man, it's like you know this is right. So we, we just went with our time for mm-hmm. the, all the right reasons. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you've heard a lot of our discography before. But if you compare what we had done in the past and on this record, it's it's like phenomenal. I love it. I love the I'm so progression. excited to hear it. Yeah, it's it's a huge progression in the sense that I, I don't want I make it sound like we sucked before, but we I mean I'm just saying we it's the, an evolution. It's so, so versatile. Yeah. like it's so yeah. We've experimented on so many things. We've we've changed the tunings we normally go with. Yeah. Um, we've used some ambiences here and there in the, in the album. Well, we've written it in a way, kind of like storytelling, where there's uh, snippets and like uh, interludes between parts. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just the musicianship is incredible. I mean, I'm I'm definitely gonna have to go back and when we get to play live next, or uh, really like jam this stuff out because it's quite hard to play some of some of it. No, but you do have a gig coming up soon. So are yeah. you gonna play some stuff from your new album? Yeah, well, you know, some stuff is like what two songs, perhaps. Okay, let's be realistic here. Because we gotta understand, maybe not all, all the listeners know this, or um, is that Nerve Soul is a band that's kind of split up geographically. Like me and James uh, stay in Dubai, but the rest of them live outside. Mm-hmm. Um, Rami's in Qatar, and uh, we have drummers, well, predominantly session drummers who we go with, who are European based. So, so for us to actually get together and jam is, is especially one thing. now with the news about Qatar. Yeah, oh, we probably shouldn't talk about that, <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, there's no sympathizing here, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, Rami lives there, so I don't know how, how much, how deep into it it's okay. affecting us, but it is a cause for concern. Okay. Um, yeah. But, I mean, we have the show in two months, but now, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's August 5th, yeah. and uh, it's really promoted well mm-hmm. in the Middle East, uh, who we also signed with for the Middle East region. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we're gonna play. We're gonna play some new stuff there for the first time ever. Excited to yeah. hear it. Very excited. Yeah. So August twenty fifth uh, in the Middle East. Why Metal East Records? It'll be in stores. We're doing a great job for the Middle East metal scene. Yeah. And Life Force Records up in Leipzig, Germany. Uh, mm-hmm. We're putting us out for Europe, and they've released our first two albums too. So cool. It's good to be back home. There. That's such a cool label. That down to earth, and they they really see it, what we do and they believe in it and they put yeah. money behind it and that's what's incredible to me like as a guy writing music in dubai just loving what i do and playing metal that's that's all good everyone believes in themselves strong enough to swear by it but when you get endorsements and companies putting down like mm-hmm. advances to you towards you you kind of want to you want to kind of let that settle in and realize yeah. how important that is because not everybody gets that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. very grateful for that and it, it, it's going to be worth it, man. All the fans who've been waiting, like, it's seriously so <laughs> worth your wait. When you hear this album, I'm telling you, man, it's it's kind of like we're proud for everyone else to be proud for it. Too. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of like yeah. one of those things, if you know what I mean. What's your relationship to your music? Like, do you, do you have favorite tracks that you play? Or do you have favorite, or do you have, like, songs where, that you look back on, for example, from 12 years ago and you think... I think we could have done it better or something like that. Yep. What's your sure. relationship like to your own music? I, honestly, once we release an album, I try not to... Just let it go. ...critique it too much, yeah. Okay. Because I think it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure, if you ask me straight up, I'll tell you, yeah, there's a lot of things we could have done differently to, uh, to our 2004 EP called Human Chaos. Yeah. I mean, when we put it out, we were... Trust me, when we put it out then, we were, I was... We were really excited. We were like, we. In fact, we did that because people asked us to. Mm-hmm. We didn't think about going and recording an EP. We said we, we were playing shows then a lot more than we do today in Dubai. We played Dubai like once every two, three months. Yeah. In the two thousands, right in two thousand one, two thousand three, up until then, we used to play like once every two, three months at least. So uh, at those gigs, the, a lot of the fans would come up to us and be like, "Hey, man, you guys gonna put out an EP?" Uh, I want to take it, I want to buy it, I want to have a piece of your music and stuff. Because we, we played like half a set of originals and, and covers. So that idea got infiltrated into us because fans kept talking to us about doing it. So we put that yeah. out. Not in a rush, but like in the summer we had off. We were in between university, all of us too. So it was like studying and then playing and recording and trying to write music as well. Uh, so we put that out in 2004. So if, if I listen to that today, uh, and we've discussed this idea before internally, that we may want to re-release that EP and you know with, with more modern production because mm-hmm. it was really like uh, vintage or something it sounded really uh, <laughs> really mid-paced and slowed down death metal mm-hmm. but which is which was cool for the time it came out but i think if I, of course i could go and like turn things around there and tweak things a bit uh, i would like to do that but i mean in, in its own time um, okay. but how i relate to our music like i like i said i try not to listen to it uh in a way where i'm trying to change things it's just it's that if you look at it in hindsight, like it's, it was meant to be that way. Okay. So I love the, the, um, the whole, the whole um, concept of when it came out and the times we were going through at that mm-hmm. time and the, and the facilities we had and the situations around us that made us limited or restricted to make us sound that way. So today, you know, like in 2017, we've been touring now internationally since 2007. So that's a good 10 years under our sleeve. So we've, we've, we've gained a lot of experience. Um, before we go back and write songs, we, we sort of look back at the songs that went down well live and what works with and what people really review us on. So we take all the criticism, of course, and we also still want to have a grip of ourselves. Like, we do this because we want to. Yeah. If, if, we, weren't, if we weren't signed to a label or if we didn't open for the biggest bands out there or whatever, we would still be doing this because we want to put our time into some good use and look back at it and say... So that's what I was doing for the last 10 years. You know what I mean? If you had no funding or nothing, we would still put out this album that's coming out in August. We mm-hmm. would still do it for ourselves because that's what we want to do. Like me, Rami and James as, as, as the three core members now, that's all we do really. If you think about it, as an outsider, we, we just talk music and we we like listen to new bands, we discover bands, we share it like it's like 
like that experience I talked about in 94. Like, when I find new bands, I share it with the guys. I'm like, dude, what do you think about this? I mean, like, check out all these new artists coming mm. in and what bands are touring with who are still, like, fans. So I think, um, I think because we have that in us, that enthusiasm, we're always going to keep doing this. So um, we, we love what we do, and uh, I think uh, we're really, really proud that we've been able to sustain ourselves okay. this long, especially being a band in the Middle East, because we've seen a lot of good bands here um, who have all these dreams, you know, and it's never really uh, see to it till the end. Okay. Um, I'm really lucky to have guys in the band who are on the same level as me and that same enthusiasm that's not died or mm-hmm. compromised a, sec, a little bit at all. So I think that's, that's, what, that's the driving force that every band should have to like continue and have that fire in you. So, yeah, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, Donald, I get, I get really shy when people talk to me about nerve songs. Like, oh man, you know this song? Yeah, you know, you really love what you do. <laughs> we love what you do. That was so great. This song was so great. Like, you guys are so awesome and shit. I, I don't really hear this stuff. I like, it, it makes me feel like really awkward for some reason. If I'm on stage, I'll, I'll give them all the energy yeah. in the world. But like, when you sit down, when you sit me down and talk to me about analyzing my music, it's kind of awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you like it, great. Thank you yeah. so much. If you don't, I'll still talk to you. Because it's not for everyone. And I say that every time I go out. Like, I'm my, my parents. They don't know it. They don't get it. But they're my family. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm my, my friends. My, some, of my school, my, some of my closest school friends don't get what I do. But that's what I do. Man. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I love. So, yeah. What's your writing process like? I mean, I've talked to quite a few bands. Some bands talk about how some of their best music comes out of the arguments and the fights that they have in the middle of writing. Other bands talk about how it's a very cohesive kind of unit. What's the band dynamics like in Nerve Cell? Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, well, I think because we are located geographically the way we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, how do you write music considering that? Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, Rami, uh, the other guitarist, and yeah. I are kind of like the core writers since we put out our first EP in 2004. Mm-hmm. We just, it's very guitar driven music. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really what it is. So it starts from us writing the riffs and the skeletons of what end up being full songs. Okay. And because we write all those guitar bits, we sort of program drum ideas that we have to the riffs we write. Mm-hmm. So we do it independently, and then we get together once every, you know, whenever we finish a tour or when we want to meet up and actually write music again in, in quarters. Uh, every once every three four months does it feel like very cohesive that you kind of like you guys are all on the same page and you kind of yeah. like get each other and I, I think so i mean there's like on the, on, that's what that's the, that's the that's the thing about the new album there's some stuff that we haven't touched before okay where we, like we are playing with more ambiences you know for the mm-hmm. first time and to do that with extreme music is not really recommended i would say but it just felt like we wanted to you know we want to try mm-hmm. something a little like experiment really but it's still, it's still evil as hell, you know what I mean? It's not like, it's, I mean, it sounds evil. There's no black magic behind the riffs and shit. You know? <laughs> I gotta be clear about these things. Some people think, like, straight off the bat, metal, uh, stateless, you know? It's just that times are changing, so. I mean, but like, the way we write really is all guitar-driven stuff. So when, when Rami comes down or James comes down, he puts lyrics over what he hears and what he feels, the mood or the vibe is, without okay. telling us, and then we see if it works, and then we come up with song titles. Does James stuff. write the lyrics mostly? Yeah, or? all of it. Okay. Uh, I proofread it. <laughs> but like, it's good to put things in context and not uh-huh. just get driven away by, you know, what's cool to sing about. Like, it's, we yeah. have to have some sort of soul to it. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's the main lyricist, yeah. He writes all the lyrics. Uh, we kind of give them ideas here and there, but yeah, that's about it. I mean, it's all guitar-driven, really. Yeah, and like I said, because Rami and I are based uh, different in different countries, when we get together, we sort of put two or two things together. We throw in some ideas on his things. I spice it up, and he spices what I write up. And on this album, uh, probably one of the first interviews going to hear this is like uh, we've written it in a way that's different, also because. Uh, some of the songs are written from start to finish by Rami. Okay. And some of the songs on the record are just from start to finish by me. Okay. Because when we heard each other's ideas, it just felt like they're good to go as is. Mm. And we would just recommend the time, tempo, signature, or, or one note difference here, or try yeah. this 
part, this section before that section. But really, in, in solid bits, they were like songs written in its entirety from start to finish by certain members on this next album, which we've never done in the past two records. Uh, past How two was releases. it done before? Uh, we, we always like wrote, wrote bits. Uh, and I would take some of Rami's bit and try okay. to complement it and, I see. and throw it in and then add my section next mm. just to feel like it's a collaborative effort. Whereas here you have like a song that's completely yours. Yeah, or like, yeah. yeah and that's cool. And we're not going to give that away because we want people to know or we want people to sort of tell us what they hear. Yeah. As fans, they would think it's a normal nerve cell way of writing a song. But some songs may be so different in this record that people would be like, what's up with that? It's, you guys took a different turn. And they'd be like, yeah, that was because it's all his fault. Mm. It was all him. <laughs> you know? so I'm a be, scapegoat. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to see the reviews because I want, yeah. because I, like I said, being in the band, I know the differences going into this record and what's, how, it was, how it was come out, you know? Um, so I want, I want to see those reviews and see if they pick on certain things like that. Like, this, this song is a weird one. I can, something about it or it's, it's a direction you guys haven't touched with yet and then we know exactly why but mm -hmm. that's going to be cool feedback for us yeah and we wrote the drums this time like okay. sat down and wrote the drums with like live drums we went to france to record it with our friend kevin who plays in a band called benighted so we never did that before the way we wrote drums because uh on our last two records was we wrote the songs gave him click practice the drummer in australia Okay. And he recorded it in the time he had booked out in the studio there. So there was no going back after mm. we got what we got. Mm. Whereas this time we, went, we flew out to France and uh, actually wrote the drum tracks. Every single hit, every single second you hear of the drums was us asking him to do it that certain way. So you will hear those finer details too, which is so important, we realized. So exciting. Yeah. You guys have toured a lot. Do you have yeah. any any specific gigs or countries that that stand out where you had a lot of fun or that were really good or I don't know like talk about the whole touring process and how that was for you guys? Uh, well, from the beginning, you've been all over the world with Nerfsaw, right? Yeah, I'm spoiled for choice. That's why. <laughs> I, I, Anything that stands out in particular? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean. Okay, this is this is a. I don't know how to answer this. I mean, is is it like the fun of touring, or is it just the what we learn, the learning experiences on tour, or what stood out? You mean in general? For you, is there any gig that like stood out that you always remember, or I don't know, that you always go back to? There's there's a few, uh, but one that's close to the heart was the one that we did actually in in the UAE. That would be with Metallica. That was like yeah. That's gotta be like the... You guys met the Metallica guys, huh? What was that like? Are they cool? Eight minutes of our lives <laughs> that, that we had with them. Fucking awesome. Yeah? Uh, because like, you know, I, I think I think Metallica is such an important band in, in the genre of heavy metal. They like, are, they are. Like, they are one of the, like, one of the most, I think, significant I, I definitely yes. think so. I think I think no matter what people say about yeah. how this is playing, or, you can't deny it. it. I mean, the time I mean, they did it and mm -hmm. the way they made it so commercially mm -hmm. viable is like unbelievable. Like you couldn't ignore it. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So their force was so strong. Yeah. Like they made metal, like you said, in the Grammys and shit. They took it. Exactly. They gave the Grammys a little bit of extreme reality. I owe so much to Metallica. I do. Yeah. So, I mean, and especially for us, like, if you, uh, uh, as a metalhead in the Middle East, I think Metallica were the only band available openly to public. I mean, it's great management on their part because Dooney had them or Nirvana mm -hmm. or Green Day or, like, some other grunge stuff that was out there. But in terms of metal, you had maybe one Pantera record or a Slayer album. And then you had all Metallica's albums. It was like, shit, you, you know, it was like really cool for us. It was like, sort of like soundtrack to your childhood. Because when, you, when you're into this genre of music, Metallica were the most viable band out there. Especially in the Middle East. So everyone had easy access to it. Yeah. So those songs kind of like crafted us, man. Uh, as musicians and as a fan of this uh, genre of music we call heavy metal. So when we played that one show, as, as, as far as memory, memorable gigs go, as you were saying... I think that's that's one that always comes to mind because of how significant it was. Mm -hmm. Even too, 
establish us. We were a band for from 2000 up, so that was like our 11th year doing this. And for us to be finally like sort of cast in stone now, like mm-hmm. finally someone's listening. Yeah. Because uh, we were all ticket holders for that gig, my, myself included. So we were going there to watch the gig. And then a month before Flash Entertainment call us and say, are you guys available? One night before? No, one month before. Okay. Uh, <laughs> are you guys available? And if you are, the slot is yours. We've got the green light from the Metallica management wow. to have an opening band. We're like, because we bought <laughs> tickets to watch them. So we didn't even think about this. Wow. We didn't even think of approaching them to ask them, can we open? Because we're playing death metal. And, <laughs> and, and no one wants to hear death metal to like fucking so many watts of sound to a stadium arena. That, just, that, that does not happen. Okay. Unless you're on a festival in Europe, so I'm joking. But like Metallica being a band for 30 years at that point into their career and playing their first golf like Middle East show was it's a big deal. historical. Yeah. yeah. So for us to watch it was like we wanted to be entertained. Mm-hmm. But then we got asked to play and we play extreme metal. We're not playing like, you know, like Metallica have some pretty singable songs, right? We're, we're growling and shit. So. This is really crazy. Like we, we were blown away. We're like, oh yeah. my god, hundred percent influenced by them. But to think that we're gonna share the stage and open their night on home soil was like, it made sense. It was a defining moment, I guess. It made sense why we went through all this shit. Yeah, yeah. And now someone's listening. Yeah. And now there's some appreciation. Yeah. And now we've done our bit. Mm-hmm. And that was like this, the icing on the cake for us. It was like. All right, that's cool. So mm-hmm. this this is a, this is one chapter in our lives that it will only be up from mm-hmm. here on out, and we gotta just build on that. And that's exactly what we did. We never did this up until that point to get to this point either. It was just like I said, the gradual learning experience, which every band is so crucial to go through. I think that's what that's that's the that's that's the success story about us. I think. Um, even though we play one of the most extreme underground genres out there. Yeah. And, and you know what, when you talk about like uh, touring and what's memorable, apart from Metallica being so important and historical and monumental and all that, it's uh, whenever we go to Europe, we have a good time. Like, yeah. I think, I think. You've played a lot of festivals, huh? Yeah. Like Vakken yeah. and Rock and Ring and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. You want to know something else that's funny? The first gig Nerve Soul played in Germany, right? Not in Europe. We've been in Europe before, but we didn't play Germany. But the first German gig we played was Rock and Ring in 2009. Wow. Yeah. And that is like the <laughs> biggest freaking <laughs> rock metal show. Like we're talking 120,000 people yeah, it's in incredible. the audience. And that was the first German show we played. So. Amazing. Miracles do happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll also say this, I'll go on record and say this, we only got that far, or we got that slot because of our management back then, which was CSM. Because uh, they were getting hit up by a lot of agents to play, to have the agents bands play Desert Rock. And CSM, who put up Desert Rock, uh, signed Nerve Cell to play three out of the six Desert Rock festivals that happened. Uh, the second one, after which they asked us to manage, be managed by them. So, um, when, 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 when they invite agents to come to the Desert Rock Festival from overseas and see the band they represent, mm-hmm. which was ours, those promoters immediately agreed to book us for, the next, for their festival, which yeah. happened to be Rock and Ring and Walk In and all that other good stuff. So, it's not like we got a free ticket anywhere. They had to see us, to like us, to get us to play. Yeah. And I think that's the best thing when you represent your band not, rather than an email and what's in black and white and writing, you cannot describe a live experience unless you're there watching it and getting this whole ambience of what energy is flowing through this band to you. So I think it's like going for a job interview. When you when you when you get interviewed by someone, you pass on your resume and that's your CD. Yeah. And you're there in front of them, giving them the whole nine yards. You know, you're giving yeah. them the whole 360 show. So we got really lucky because that's was that was just being in the right place at the right time with the right people mm-hmm. behind us. But yeah, that's a fun fact, you know. We played Germany the first time at Rock and Ring, which is like insane every time I think about it. Yeah, so I mean, there's a few other experiences we've had that's, you know, fun. But like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm answering like a question every for 20 minutes now. So, so let's just like, uh, let's save that for another day.
Okay. <laughs> no, but it's cool, man. I, I mean, we love we love touring. I'll tell you something else. We love touring in this band. Like that's what we long to do. It's not about the financial aspects that we get paid only when we play. It's true that is the case, but the fact that we could go out there to a country we don't speak their language yeah. in, and we can relate and see people lining up to watches, my job's done. Like that is that that's like there's nothing more rewarding than that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just crazy. Shit, you're mm. in your bedroom. You're taking a flight to play to people who know those tunes. It's amazing. I don't know how I don't know how that yeah. how to explain that. Yeah. It's such a cool such a cool thing to see. So that's what we long to do. We long to play. We love touring in the harshest conditions, but when you get on stage and you have that one hour, that is your hour and there's no one to fuck with it. Mm-hmm. You do what you gotta do and you do what you love and that really resonates when you get out there. And people see that. People aren't stupid. In Europe they see bands every day of the week if they want to. If they don't want if they don't like you guys they're not going to be rude to you. They're just going to probably walk away and the numbers don't show. But if they do, you can have nights out talking to them and just like be appreciated, man. Yeah. Because the demographics in the Middle East to tour and the logistics to tour here aren't really facilitated to do, for us to do it. Mm-hmm. So we just chose to like reach out internationally and ask them if they would want or allow us to play in their clubs and venues. And that's all we did. We just reached out on our laptops by email, contacting promoters, in the early days, we'd like to come out and play because we see all our bands that we like and influenced by playing these particular clubs. And we just did the groundwork and just matter of just asking. And that went worked for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a very serious question to ask you. Sure. Which is, how come when you Google Nerve Cell, you get a Wikipedia page that's in German? You don't even have an English page. Why is it only in German? Well, it wasn't me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't Rami or James as far as I know. And I've been asked You guys about this don't before. even have an English like Wikipedia page. You only have a German. So tell me, what do we do about that? How do we go about the go we... to like fucking Google Translate and try to like <laughs> No no but what do we what could we possibly do? What I can tell is that it seems like the German market likes you guys a lot. This is what I understood. Listen, I'll tell you this straight off the bat. I don't know who even put that German thing out there. <laughs> I don't. I don't. But I'm grateful that someone took the trouble to. Yeah. Now, I don't know how I'm supposed to go out and like get a nerve cell profile on Wikipedia. Who I'm does sure that? you could. Does the band do it or does the band... I'm assuming the band's management do it, so that would be my problem. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't really... I thought Wikipedia sort of picks up on these things and then they realize if we are... If you have enough credibility, they'll give us the... Mm. I mean, do you have a, a, a Wikipedia page for... Of course not. Well, so that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I am nothing compared to fucking Nerso. What are you talking about? Well, well I don't know. <laughs> give me another example of... A, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe we don't take ourselves too seriously. I don't know. No, I just find it funny that you guys are based in Dubai, but you're paid in German and stuff. To me, it says a lot about who your fans are and stuff. Too. Probably, yeah. And, and, and by the way, I think Germany is a huge market for us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have a German label, of course, but I think that also contributes. But even before Life Force came into the picture, when we were unsigned and playing in Europe, um, which was like 2007, eight, up until nine, which is when we signed with them initially, we always noticed like a lot of the feedback we used to get was from mainland Europe, which is Germany. Yeah. But the whole Wikipedia thing, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should look into this. I don't know. I'm, I've never looked into it, to be honest. And I don't know if I, who do I, where, like, do I talk to the label Where do I even start? Yeah, I, I really haven't thought about it. I think we have bigger issues, like finding out if we can play uh, the festival run next year and stuff. Like, that's really what, what, we, what we have on our yeah. minds. I mean, yeah. when's the next tour? Is the album being promoted right? Um... Yeah, we should increase our fees, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. No. Uh, yeah. yeah, but that's that's cool. I mean, I don't know. We should ask the label about that. Or maybe you can help me. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can help me do the Wikipedia for now. So it would be pretty obnoxious. Though. What would I write about myself? I mean, just give them... They I mean, the same thing, but translated. Like. Yeah? Cool. Well, I am corrected. I don't know. No, that's cool. Thank you. I, I, I haven't looked it up. I, I don't know. You have I, no idea. I, 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 I think I think this came up before in like on the second album, 2011-12, and then someone said something about Wikipedia and Nerve Song, and they said it was blocked or removed or something. 
the the English one. Okay. I could be that wrong. Makes no I could be wrong. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. One of the things I like to talk a lot about on the podcast is culture and Dubai and what it's like growing up here. Because you're yeah. half Portuguese, half Indian, right? Yeah. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, let me let me say this right. Okay. So because people always get this wrong. So I'm I'm Dubai born and raised. I am Indian. I am Portuguese descent. Uh, I don't speak a lot of languages apart from English because that's always spoken <laughs> at house. Uh, Dubai is home. This is where I grew up. I lived in Canada for four years. I studied there. I came back here because of the band, by the way. And okay. and you know, family and stuff. Yeah. Relationships and all that. So, but really, a lot to do with the band. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have probably stayed on, but. You were Ramya thinking James, to stay in Canada? Yeah, our deal was like I go to Canada, I finish my degree, I come back every summer, we play shows. Rami and James were in AUD here, so they were it kind of worked for us because um, you know we had to study, man. I, I wanted to, I wanted a little break from Dubai at that point because I just wanted to get out, um, see what the real world was like. And uh, yeah, we still kept the band going. I mean, we released an EP in 2004. I was I went only in 2003, so we released an EP. I came back, recorded that. Played every summer for 2004, 2005, Desert Rock was like the first thing, we big festival we did. Yeah. I was still in Canada and coming back. Desert Rock before. was awesome, by the way. Yeah, I missed Desert Rock. That was, yeah. That was fucking amazing. Yeah. What was this question about now? Well, I remember we had. I was asking you. Yeah, about, culture and stuff. Like. Yeah. Like, cause, because, I mean, like, my experience in Dubai and me being half Russian, half Bahraini, there was a big cultural clash in my yeah. family. Did you, did you have that as well? No. Between the Portuguese and the Indian? No. Or like... Man, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like... Okay, so, the, I mean, my, my parents uh, were Roman Catholic. So, we... I went to a Roman Catholic school here called St. Mary's. Um, I don't think I'm, like, religious or extreme in any way. Um, but, like... I think I was raised pretty well. You know, we went, we had good education. My parents taught me some good values to respect everyone, you know, and everyone's cultures and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like Dubai is home, but it's not in a way, in yeah. many ways. So, uh, I mean, I, I love the fact that I've traveled the world, so I can I can tell you I've seen what real life is, and there's pros and cons to this because Dubai also misleads a lot of people, right? So. I don't let that get it's to me. The mirage. Yeah. I think. I don't let that get to me at all. I can see a freaking yeah. Lamborghini drive by ten times. I, mean, I wouldn't even turn my head once. Yeah. Like, I mean, for people who've grown up here, we know what it's like. Yeah. And I've seen it evolve, and I've seen good and bad out of it. But I think it's only a few people who would actually, uh, who would actually like, you know, who actually remember our humble beginnings. And I, and I can swear to you, I'm one of them. I, I, I appreciate everything I've, I've had here. And what I've experienced living here, and I think I think it's great because you interact with so many types of people in all walks of life and different nationalities, which you will never get if you live anywhere else in the world. So you make friends who are long-lasting, who you can go to the corners of the world today, and I can really have a house to crash in. And I think that's a great thing about being born and raised here. On the metal side of things, I suffered a lot because yeah. I had to learn it myself. On in the music industry in general. There's still a huge There's learning a long curve. Way to go. Huge learning curve still here. Uh, people have no idea what it's like, and I don't blame them because because it's not available, and that's the sad thing. So if anything, I love doing your yeah, podcast. I love doing panels where you can talk about what a label does, what a band is supposed to do, what an agent does for you, what are the commission cuts, uh, what is the promoter do um, how can you use the internet today to your advantage and not overkill you know so like there's so many things so I'm grateful in a way to the fact and to the fact that I lived here because I we've learned to accept and to be tolerable yeah and not get carried away like uh, we, we all, not just me the guys in the band too we've, we've come up in a, in, a, in a very family bonding sort of culture where they've instilled in us to have something to fall back on, mm-hmm. to have degrees, to finish university, and then just pursue what the hell you want as an adult. So we've taken those risks. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not like living it up or anything. I'm, I'm, I do what I need to do to survive, and I do what I love. So 
I think it's the way we've been raised here and the culture that made us a little more smarter in the way we go about our lives. Because I know a lot of musician friends, not to name any, but like who've actually just left everything at a young age yeah. and, and now just now playing gigs to the extent that they hate playing gigs. And that's sad because they're so good at what they do, mm-hmm. but they want to just take a break. And now they have no experience to get a job. Yeah. And then they're stuck with like kids and like wives and they've married and they thought they were, you know, it was all going well. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta be prepared for the worst at all times. So I think, I think living in Dubai, they've, they've, it's sort of made us more aware and socially uh, up for what the worst could be, you know? Yeah. Where, where it's, a little, it's just a, more, a lot more logical way of looking at it and, and, and still being a band and doing what you love. Mm-hmm. But to be able to sustain yourself. Yeah. And having something, as they say, the fallback one. So, so I think, I think, yeah, it's cool. Because whenever we tour with bands, they always tell us, like, oh, you guys should come to the States. I just move in. You guys should relocate. Yeah, but then what? Mm-hmm. You know, we do a gig for like two months and a, a, a tour, come back and do what exactly? You know, Uber drivers? No. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. So, like, I think I'm so, I think it's cool that we've, we do it differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think where we're located is we are, right, we're strategically between Asia and Europe, so. Mm-hmm. So I think being being in Dubai has definitely helped us as a band too. We don't really uh, struggle. That's interesting. So much, but we still don't mm-hmm. get to play as much as we want. But I'd rather do it gradually. I'm more we're more of a band that takes it one step at a time. Yeah. And don't we don't let you know get let things get to us and have high expectations and stuff. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. we've done some big remarkable things and accomplishments, and I think. It all happened at the right time, and we deserved it when we needed to get yeah. those things. Yeah. Cool. Are you a fan of any of the local music here? Do you listen to any of the local bands here in Dubai? Yeah, I, I know, I know everyone. Uh, I know. Who are I, your well, uh, some some of them don't think I know them, but I do. Like I keep an eye out. Really? Because, yeah, I do. Of course. I uh, again, this is the same kid who grew up here and like fell upon this odd hour and watched the show. So I would love to be. To go through that whole experience of discovering a band again and like mm-hmm. like seeing who's keeping it alive like i i pay tickets and i go and watch shows to my friends bands sometimes too even though they all like ask me oh you're on the guest list and school and stuff cool but if not like i i love to be entertained i i go out and watch any and all local shows i can yeah and i i couldn't care less who's playing with who who the freaking promoter is what he did to another promoter and <laughs> whose girlfriend is now dating this guy <laughs> and which band member slept with that band member's girlfriend and who's who the groupies are all this shit it's 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 all fun and games but when you make this a career your priorities start to change yeah you know what i mean so like i start i've been there i've seen it all and i don't have time for like fucking the bullshit and bullshit yeah i really yeah. don't i just don't Mm-hmm. I would, I would seriously make my life a lot easier and tell someone I don't like his band because of the the what they do. Yeah. But nothing personal. I would hang out with him and drink with him and party with him and drive drop him home. You know what I mean? But like when you take when you put music on the side and just judge people on music, I would pay money to go watch. Yeah. That band, regardless, right? Because I want to be entertained, so I, I love that, and I think we don't have. Oh, we didn't have as much as a live... I'm talking original music here, by the way. Um, not cover bands. Like, people with original bands putting out original music from Dubai who are bringing it and keeping it alive and well. I fucking support that shit, 100%. Mm-hmm. I go for it. I, I, don't need to be, I don't need to be seen there or put in the, in the limelight or anything. I just want to fucking go and watch these guys and, and see. It reminds me of how things different were. How things were way different when we started. You know, we, it was all a DIY thing. It was yeah. completely DIY, in fact. Um, we built stages, we played on those stages, and we were the organizers and their promoters and everything, and the artists, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was back in early 2000. I mean, people who, who know what I'm talking about, festivals like Turbulence and Disorientation, and um, this is all before Desert Rock. Like, all the, all, the, all the universities doing shows in their premises, in the school premises, like, AIS school, American University in Dubai, AUS, and um, so it was all those, uh, what do you call them, those uh, creative club thingies Mm -hmm. inside the universities? Yeah. Social clubs, members, 
who were musicians and fans as well. So they were the diehards. They were the ones who went on their feet and fought for mm-hmm. live music. So I'm friends with all these guys, man. I, I love uh, what Dubai has and where we've been establishing it. Until this has nothing to do with Nerve Soft too. This is just like all the other bands and promoters involved. Where it has now got to this point where everyone looks at the Middle East and bands who are touring across from Europe to Asia want to do a stopover in Dubai now because they see all the frequency of gigs that we have here and um, the quality of equipment has gone up now the experience of sound and engineers and all that all that's just so much better now but still do you have a wish for Dubai do you think there's still some way to go what would you like to see in the Dubai scene do you think we're still missing something uh, yeah we're always I mean we're missing a lot actually but uh, but but no uh, where I would like to go I'd like to see it go. Um, I don't know. Dubai, look, look, here's the thing. Dubai Desert Rock came out of nowhere. And then it disappeared. The hell out of everyone yeah. for a good six years. Harsh reality is, never made a profit any of those years. Right? This is probably discreet information. But you know what? It's been so long, it might as well get out there and people have got to know. Why? Because it happened so fast and it happened at such a grand scale. Where it was like people couldn't digest it, it was too much. You will never see Iron Maiden and friggin' Prodigy play the same night. Like, mm-hmm. You'll never see that. Because the demographics here are so different. So they, they meant well, CSM, when they did that. Uh, but I think it was, it was so fast and it died, like you said, so soon that people didn't know where to go for this sort of music after it died. So yeah. they just sort of like fell off the bandwagon and then they just thought just like everyone else just came up on, you know, alternative music, let's say, yeah. not even metal, it's just an indie or whatever. Um, so the few that's the diehards that still did this because they love it by passion, just started playing, keeping the local scene going. And now we got those same guys who now have jobs and salaries and now they're making money and now they can put in a little money as investments to do shows who are still like lingering around. Which is cool. I give absolute credit to them. Um, so I think I think I think I'll tell you what we do need. We have labels here now, like uh, Universal. We had EMI. We had we have Virgin Music here. Yeah. We have we have we had Tower Records before in Palm Strip Jumeirah, even like so we had we had some big names, you know. And now there's labels. There's like promoters. There's bands. There's people who are acting as agents, which are great, mm-hmm. right? I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean like we have all these different mediums. We need to bring everyone together and sort of like educate people here who are music enthusiasts yeah. about the reality of the industry. Mm-hmm. I think that's the problem. I think we need to get a platform where we can get people from an artist perspective, a label A&R perspective, a promoter's perspective, you know, booking agents, managements involved and come together and sort of talk about how we can actually make this a job for people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like not everyone. as a hobby. But yeah, and, an actual... and not like some gray area as yeah. well. We need people to know if they're getting into this, these are the repercussions that can happen. Yeah. And these are the pros and cons. So don't live in this bubble and yeah. like think you, you're gonna make it, you're gonna break it and all this all this, you know, this facade. Like actually educate people because we have people like me who's learned the fucking ropes, who's toured on my own expense who's gone out and seen it and, and like actually have to network myself. Mm-hmm. And I do that because it's a very genuine thing for me because I want to know, I'm curious. So when I'm, when out, there, when I'm out there with Nerve Soul, I'm out there as, as the guy from Nerve Soul, but I'm also out there as the guy from Dubai who needs advice on how yeah. this actually works. You know, talking to press and like everything else involved, all the, the managements and the other band members you meet and all the, yeah. the, tour, the tour managers and you know what 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 the what the numbers are like too mm-hmm. you know uh, not a lot of people know that and there's a there's a harsh reality to it all where people need to be made aware of, mm-hmm. i think so for me i don't charge for this shit you know i tell people what i need to tell them not not mislead mm-hmm. cuz everyone comes to you when they want information but if you give them wrong information they're never going to let go of it you know so yeah. you got to be very careful as well mm-hmm. So um, I think okay. that's what Dubai needs. I mean, I think we have the facilities for it. We have certainly have the sponsors and funding for it. But the brand ambassadors who they put for these companies, 
I'm more worried about their status than the actual incentive of doing mm-hmm. good and teaching what, 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 what people need to know. Yeah. So that's a sad thing. I think that that could mm-hmm. be changed. I see. Yeah. Barney, thank you so much. It's been an hour, by the way. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't feel like it at all. But yeah, thank you so much for doing this with me. It was I awesome to have you on to hear your thoughts and Nerve Cell and everything that you guys are doing. And the new album is coming out, guys. Yeah. Check it out. You, you're gonna love it, guys. We're putting the Middle East in the map for metal, and you are all involved in awesome. that rise. Yeah. Thank you yeah, so much, yourself Barney. And keep this stuff up, please. I'll be very Thank disappointed you so if much. you stop. The podcast thing, I want to say, all the listeners out there, support this. This is discreet. This is so <laughs> unique that it's happening in 2017. I love what Don is doing. I support it 100%. If there's anyone interested in this sort of field, <laughs> Pick it up and do it. Like, it's niche, but trust me, there are fans out there who appreciate it. It means so Respect. much to me, Barney. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.